message is titled New Year, New You. It's pretty cliche at this point in time. Um, I was driving around and I saw this phrase written pretty much everywhere and ads for gyms and financial ads and all sorts of things. New Year, New You. But as we know, it's the new year already. We've already a couple days into 2016, which is crazy. Um, I remember uh, being a kid in elementary school and thinking about 1992 or 93, whatever year it was and how how long ago that was. <laughs> Some of you are like, I can remember, 1950. But um, this time of year, you know, if you pay attention to pop culture, they're all about like top 10 lists or trends from last year, what they got right, what they got wrong, trends for the new year, what's the new color of the year or whatever that is. Um, nostalgia, hope, you know, we have all these ideas. Oh, it's new year. Oh, you know, we have hope now. We have nostalgia. We, you know, we have freedom from all the mistakes we made last year. And, you know, taxes are coming up. I'm looking for that. I contacted people I did freelance for and I said, hey, can you send me those W-2s or not W-2? It's a, uh, yeah, W-2 because I work for them full time for a couple months. But I want to get the taxes out of the way. I've got so many states I've got to deal with and the federal thing. And so I just want to get that over with this year. But we'll see how well that goes. But there's a lot of different uh, New Year's uh, Eve traditions. And um, maybe you know some of these, maybe you don't. Maybe I got them right, maybe I got them wrong. This is just based on the internet and you can believe everything you read on the internet, right? But there's some names, New Year's Eve. Uh, it was also called Old Year's Night, um, uh, Anno Novo. I'm not even gonna say the names because I'm gonna mess them up. But like we talked about like ball dropping. I was at work the other day and I asked them, you know, do you guys watch the ball drop down here? I didn't know if it was just like a New York thing to watch New York ball drop. Maybe DC did something. Maybe there's politicians that dropped and I don't know. Um, fireworks. Um, you reflect like we talked about on the previous year. Late night partying. I can remember in my mind still New Year's Eve 1999 from high school when we we're like, oh, we're partying and we're playing, you know, New Year's Day by U2 and just all night just being crazy. Um, thinking that you know everything was gonna be different. There's Y2K, and we were, people thought the world was gonna end. Um, you know, some computers did break, but not everything. Um, uh, family gatherings, maybe some people get together with their family. It's not so much something you do all the time on New Year's. Uh, feasting, uh, present exchanges. I didn't get any presents for New Year's, but <laughs> Christmas we got plenty. I think maybe that's different cultures. But apparently, again, based on my uh, 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 quick research on the internet. Japan, uh, at least traditionally, has the day of preparation day to welcome uh, Tashigami, uh, the New Year's God. Therefore, traditionally, people clean their home and prepare uh, karumatsu. I'm probably butchering these words, so I apologize to anyone who's listening. Um, uh, and also Shina, uh, Shimanawa, to welcome the God before New Year's Eve. So they have this idea where there's this God coming, let's clean our home. You know, uh, Before you guys come over, we clean, or Ashley clean, so be thankful for that. But... Uh, Mexico, apparently there's this tradition uh, where they down a grape with each of the 12 chimes of the bell during the New Year countdown. Um, I would probably choke, but while making a wish with each one. So they get 12 wishes, 12 grapes. On New Year's Eve, those who want to find love in the New Year wear red underwear, <laughs> yellow if they want money, and periwinkle if they want food. I guess those are sort of the Mexican colors. Uh, I don't know. I probably would wear all three colors. But uh, they make life-size dolls out of old clothes. They fill them with fireworks and set them on fire at the stroke of midnight. Um, the doll, which is male, represents the old year. It is known as El Viejo, or the old man. Apparently, again, this is, you know, it's interesting, the old man. The Philippines, you guys can certainly correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Uh, but circular food, polka dots, coins, wealth, 
I'm getting nods, noisemakers, fireworks, scare away bad spirits the new year. Um, you know, this, again, this idea of you've got the spirits of the old year, spirits of the new year, gods that they're worshiping. Kind of similar to what we have as, uh, as Halloween here. Uh, but the United, United States, we have, uh, it used to be called Watch Night in certain old Christian groups. Or Freedom's Eve, uh, New Year's Eve, 1862, waiting for the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863. So sometimes we put a lot of hope in the new year, especially politically. We have the elections this year that people put a lot of hope based on years. Um, but 1907, Times Square was named for the newspapers where they had the first ball drop. Um, and now apparently uh, Dick Clark, even though he's passed, he's still got the Dick Clark's uh, ball drop going on. But basically all these things, people are looking for a brand new start, a brand new start. You know, it's a new them in the new year. I think we're all familiar with this, but we're going to get into some scripture here. Uh, trust me in a moment. But they hope for, is in the year itself that in the fact that the calendars change, that there's new days ahead. Um, that somehow just because we flipped over the calendar that something's going to be new. You know, I was watching something about the rotation of the earth and how it's really 366 days because based on the rotation. So it's not even accurate based on it being really a new year. Um, uh, but people start diets in the new year. You know, at work we do a lot of marketing with frozen yogurt and that's sort of all the thing that they've been pushing. You know, we, the legal lawyers are like, well, we can't make it this and we can't say that because it's not this healthy and it's not that healthy. But it's interesting. Um, you know, people start doing personal promises, whether those New Year's resolutions to stop doing things or to start doing things. You know, how long that lasts? You know, how many times? Well, Ashley and I, years ago, at first, I think it was before we got married, we got a, a maybe it was when we first got married, we got a, a gym membership. <laughs> we went once. <laughs> Eventually they said, don't worry about it. <laughs> and, you know, we got a free t shirt out of the deal. Um, but sometimes you want to forget the past year. Sometimes last year was hard, maybe stuff happened, and you just want to forget it. Uh, but, you know, what happens every year? What happens every year? The same thing. The same exact thing. Gym memberships fill up for a couple months, and then people, you know, my friends will go to the gym seriously. They say they can't wait for the next month or two to pass so the gym goes back to normal and they don't have to wait to get on the exercise machines. But, you know, what, ha- what does the Bible say about New Year's? What does the Bible say? Uh, the Jewish calendar had two New Year's in a way. There was a religious or uh, New Year in, in the month of Nisan or March 15th. Uh, about Passover as well. Um, there was also the Civil New Year, the month of Tishri around September. Uh, the Day of Atonement was in that time period as well. Um, but as we get into that, let's turn to Exodus, if you would, with me. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. And we're going to read a couple of verses here about the Passover. All the way in the beginning, Genesis, Exodus. Chapter 12. We're going to read a good chunk, 1 through 14 and 21 through 28. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. If the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. So if you can't really afford to do one lamb, maybe you and your neighbors can get together and and get the lamb. But your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts of the lintel of the houses where they eat it. 
Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its heads with its legs and entrails. Yum. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, um, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Uh, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Uh, sorry, two more. Now the blood of the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Let's go on. Skip down to twenty-one. Then Moses called. For all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover land. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of your door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as you promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? Then you will say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households, so the people bowed their heads in worship. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. You know, it was the Lord's Passover. This wasn't the Israelites' idea. This was the Lord's idea to pass over them. You know, he's the one bringing the judgment on the Egyptians for disobeying him over and over and not letting his people go worship him and for being wicked and worshiping these other gods. You know, if we look at the, the, the ten plagues, they're, they're sort of all related to different gods and different worship practices that the uh, Egyptians had. But he's the one doing the judgment, and he's also the one willing to pass over their sins if they want it. All they had to do was boil this lamb, eat it, put its blood over their doorpost. I can imagine after several years of doing this, you'd probably have a dark red doorpost. But he was willing to do it. He was willing to do it. And, and anything covered by the blood was saved. If you, if you invited your neighbors over and you both wanted to worship with this lamb and worship God and put your trust in him, it was passed over. If you stayed within the boundaries of your house, you were passed over. Um, you know, anything covered by the blood was saved. And we have this idea again where um, there's this sacrifice. You know, we see, like we talked about in different cultures today, there's these sacrifices that are made um, to gods. We see that there is some truth to that, um, but although it's uh, twisted. We see the Day of Atonement. You know, it's the one day of the year that the high priest could enter into God's presence after, uh, excuse me, to offer a sacrifice for the people and their forgiveness. That the high priest would go in, he'd go in the Holy of Holies, he'd sprinkle the blood, he'd have little bells and a rope on him, and <laughs> If they tugged on that rope and, and, and he didn't come out, then they'd have to pull him out because he died. It's a very serious day. You know, Leviticus 16, a high priest would take two goats and a bull. And it was for uh, his family and also for the nation. Um, but also one goat would be chosen by lots to be the scapegoat. That they also had the sacrifice where um, they would put the sins on another goat and send it out of the camp and get it to leave the camp. Um, in order to carry their sins away from them. And again, it's a picture of Scripture. 
Um, you know, Levit excuse me, Leviticus 23, uh, 26 to 32 talks about this. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Also the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement, and it shall be a holy convocation for you. For you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, and you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You know, this, this idea of atonement is very important to God. Uh, you shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month of the evening. From evening to evening you shall celebrate your Sabbath. And Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. You know, God's desire is to take our sins away. Uh, you know, any failures we've had, any shortcomings we have, any just sin that we have that we struggle with, or even transgression where God said, don't do it, and you went ahead and did it all last year, or I went ahead and did it all last year. Anything, God says, I want to take it away. I want to cover it. You know, I want to get rid of it. I want it to be on a goat, so to speak, and have it head down 95 and, and get out of here and get out of your life. Uh, but he also desires to protect us from the judgment and the painful end that our, that, our sin, uh, that our sin brings. You know, he wants us, in one sense, to be drawn close to him, to be made one with him. And he guards that very carefully. He says, I don't want you to do any work. I don't want you to do anything else on that day because I want you to afflict your souls and realize that, hey, there's stuff inside us that keeps us separated. And I don't want there to be that separation. And I don't want you to have to suffer the effects of sin, the effects of leaving the house, so to speak, when I've already covered this area for you. I've given you this one one day to be made close to me. Stay within that day. Don't go outside the borders of this day. Don't go out and do what you normally would do in this day, but keep it holy, God says to the nation of Israel. You know, he made sure the Israelites remembered this every new year. And I think that's important. They remember, just like God's mercies are new every morning, that when we wake up in the morning, we go, oh man, yesterday was horrible. Or even if yesterday was good, I still need your mercy today, Lord. And that it's new every morning. And not that God won't give you his mercy at 4.30 in the morning and say, you got to wait till sunrise, you know. Uh, or you go on the Jewish calendar, got to wait for sundown. Uh, God's mercy is, is always new. But he wants us to remember that. And I think it's healthy in a sense to remember that on a new year. As the world looks for new beginnings and clamors to work and to go out and, and get in shape and, and do the right thing in their own strength, that we know we can rest from our work. We can, in a sense, oh man, let ourselves be grieved for a moment in the Lord's presence and say, God, we need you. Uh, let's turn to Romans 8.28. Would you please? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, X, Romans 8. Again, this is probably a familiar scripture to, to all of us here. But Romans 8.28-39 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who, are, who love God and to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Verse 31. What then uh, shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That God's love is for us and there's nothing that God wants to come between us. It says that Christ is the one who judges. And if the judgment was taken upon Christ, if Christ took upon that judgment upon ourself, on himself, he does not want that judgment to come upon us. And again, like the Israelites, it's up to us to put that blood on our doorposts, so to speak, to put that blood over our hearts and over our minds, you know, not to go take the communion cup and take a bath in it, but spiritually say, Lord, cover me, forgive me. I need you, like we sang before. You know, again, nothing that we've done, nothing that we will do can separate us from the love of God. Nothing that uh, other people do in our lives, the scars that we may have from growing up or the things that we may have going on in our lives right now can separate us from God's love. And I think unless we want it to. You know, if we want to keep something between us and God, as an unbeliever, you can keep going on that route. But as a believer, in a sense, I feel, at least in my own life, whenever I try and keep something between me and God, whenever I'm quote-unquote angry about God with something because of my own sin, really, man, God always pursues me. God never lets me get away with it. God doesn't want that to be between us. He always wants to, to deal with it. And God always makes a way back. You know, it's so important to God that we always come back to him that in the Jewish system, he had two celebrations throughout the year to remind his people because he knows how easily we get off track. You know, how often Ashley and I talk about buying healthy food and we do it for a week or two and then we fall off the bath or we do it for a day or we just talk about it and we don't even get it the next time we go to the store, you know. But God is that he knows how frail we are. He knows how easy we forget. You know, there's a Charlie Hall song that talks about that. It says, and sometimes, you know, I forget that we just forget these things so easily. And God knows that. And that's why he wants to remind us of it. And I think he's done that same thing in a way for us as uh, believers in the new covenant of Christ with Christmas and Easter. You know, we just celebrated Christmas and it was Jesus's birth. It was God's birth to be with us. The name Emmanuel, God is with us, that God wanted to be with us. You know, and also Easter, Jesus' death and life so that we can be with him, that we can be what? Made new. I mean, that's the promise of the resurrection, that we are not suffering death anymore, that, yeah, we may die in this life, but that there is a resurrection, that we're given a new body and a new life. And beyond that, as we'll see, as we read a few scriptures later, that, man, we can have a new life even now. And I ask, you know, what was your past year like? What was your past year like? I was thinking back, uh, looking through some old journals, looking through some old photos, and this past year has been crazy again. So many things have gone on this year, good and bad, uh, not so fun and very fun, but God has been with me through it all. He's brought me through it all. Uh, why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful, and he's always going to be that way. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says. But I ask, you know, did you accomplish what you wanted? Were there certain goals that maybe you set out at the beginning of last year or certain business plans or certain ministry ideas, the things that God had laid on your heart to do? Did you accomplish what you wanted? Did you accomplish what God was leading you to do? Um, and did you see all that God wanted done in your life? I think even if we were um, as obedient as humanly possible, I still think that there could be more that we could accomplish. I don't think any of us could answer, yes, I did everything God wanted me to do last year. I might say that the Bible says that you and I would be a liar if we said that. 
But on the on the flip side of that, I think that man, you know, God has so much planned for us in this new year. Even if he comes back 30 seconds from now, man, that would be awesome. Uh, he has so much planned for us. He has so much planned for us. Um, you know, would you and I rather forget last year? Would we like to pretend that 2015 never happened? Would we like to think, oh, it never happened, and let me just go on with 2016 and, and get a new life here? Um, maybe the last 10 years, maybe the last decade. Um, man, you know, Ashton and I were watching a, a show from 10, 12 years ago there, and I was like, I can't believe it's been that long. I remember watching it with my roommates. Um, but a lot has happened in the past 10 years. Would we like to forget most of what happened? You know, 10 years from now, do you think that we'd want to forget the things that happened, or are we looking forward uh, to new things that would happen? You know, was it a good year? Was it a bad year? You know, if it was a good year, do you want an even better year this year? I hope so. I do. I always want a better year. I never go, oh, I want a worse year than I did last year. <laughs> you know, you might need to, to get a little help if that was the case. But Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 7, 8, I believe by the inspiration of God, he says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof and the patient in spirit than the proud in spirit. You know, he says that when something's over, it's better than when it begins, you know, when, uh, and you might think, well, that's kind of backwards. Isn't it better uh, when summer vacation starts when you're a kid than when you have to go back to school? Isn't it better when you first get your paycheck than when it's all gone 10 minutes later when you pay all your bills? You know, <laughs> isn't, isn't the beginning better, you know? Um, but that's not what Solomon says. He says the end, uh, the end of a thing is better than the beginning thereof and the patient spirit better than the proud spirit that, man, when things are finished, good or bad, it's always better than in the beginning when they weren't. You know, the beginning can be exciting, it's new, it's fun, you got the new gym shoes, you know, you got the fresh celery in the fridge, whatever your plan is, maybe I'm just speaking my plan, but it's new, it's fun. You know, a new relationship, it's, it's fun, but sometimes it's better in the end. Sometimes it's better in the end, you know. Uh, I think back to when Ashley and I first met and first started dating, how exciting and fun it was, but we didn't really know each other, and how much more we know each other now, and, and uh, you know, heaven forbid, if, if, the day comes when she and I have to die uh, before the other one. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope we get raptured first. But if that comes, I'd have to say, man, I know that God says that this is better than the beginning, that there is so, so much fulfilling in our relationship, so much happening in our relationship that we say, man, this relationship I have with you now, even in passing, is better than at the beginning. And that's easy for me to say right now when we're both healthy. But you've hopefully learned something. You know, you've gotten to know somebody, uh, gotten through something, and even stronger you know, this, this past year, um, you know, even if it's bad, it's over, you know, and they have to set a bone or you have to, uh, go to the doctor or they pull a tooth or whatever it is. It's always better when it's over than beforehand. Um, but I think that, uh, now that we've gone through things in life, it's time to recover. And when God has brought us through something, you know, my daughter has been watching uh, the story of Job, uh, super book and she loves it, but and I love it too, but uh, man, don't be tempted to look back and say, why were the former days better than these? Why was it better when I had all these things? Why was it better when my family was around? Why was it better when I had all this money in the bank, et cetera, et cetera, whatever we're looking back on in life and thinking that those times were better? Because uh, the Bible says again, Ecclesiastes 7.10, do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. That is not wise. Oh man, why were the 80s better than now? Why are the 90s better than now? I don't know if the 90s are any better, but they're starting to remake 90s shows. Some of my younger nieces and nephews wear the bright colors that we wore in 1990, and I go, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> Certain styles are coming back. What, it's not better. We, we stopped wearing those things for a reason. <laughs> but 
sincerely, you know, sometimes we're tempted to do that. And let's not be tempted to do that this year as we go forward in 2016, uh, personally and individually, but also as uh, our families and as a church that, man, we wouldn't look back and go, why were it? Well, it was better back in the day because it's tempting. It's not wise. And the thing is, we'll probably never figure it out. I've spent a lot of my time wondering why were certain things better? Why was it better in the past than it is now? And God showed me that I'll, not, I'll never figure it out. I'll never figure it out because it's not better. It's better when things are over. And the point is, when we do that, when we do begin to look back and go, ah, it's green. it was greener back there. I should go back there. You end up missing out on what's in front of us. You end up missing out on the life that we have now uh, before us. But how do you want your new year to be? How do you want it to be? What do you envision for this new year? Have you envisioned anything? I, I haven't envisioned anything. I'm realizing now that it's like the third day in already. But have you or I asked God for what his plans are now? are yet for this new year. I begin to pray about that. I begin to seek that and ask that. But I think that we should do that. We should begin to pray, God, what's your, and I don't mean for us, our gathering necessarily, but really personally, God, what are, what are your plans for this year? Do you have something new for me this year? And maybe we won't find out until December 31st what that plan was. I don't know. Um, but I guarantee that he has one. And I also guarantee that it's better than anything you've ever imagined, even if it's harder, even if it's harder. You know, I look back and there was a lot of hard things about this past year, a lot of good things, a lot of exciting things, a lot of fun things, getting to meet new people and move to new places. Um, but it was better. It was better. I know it was better. I'm glad that God brought us through all these different things to bring us to this point, you know, than, than being back there and wondering, you know, what would have happened if we moved? You know, even if six months from now this whole thing blows up and none of us are friends and we all hate each other, we all need to repent. I don't know. But sincerely, that, man, it would be better. I, I, It'd be better to, you know, it's better to love than lost than to never loved at all, right? What is that saying? Um, but sincerely, I guarantee that God's plan are better for you and for me than anything we've ever imagined. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be as strong and of good courage, and do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 1.5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not leave you nor forsake you. Again, God says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Over and over, God repeats these promises to us. And my devotional this morning even was about, man, claim, not claim in a weird way, but man, when, if you can claim a promise out of the Bible, no scripture is given a private interpretation. That if there's a promise in the Bible, and you want to hang on to it, God says, hang on to it. God says, hang on to it. And that's definitely one I want to hang on to. I will not leave you nor forsake you because it's true. And I've seen it true. But Hebrews 13, five through six, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content, uh, be content, excuse me, with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You know, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen politically, socially, even in our families this year that we're going to go... I don't know about this. I'm not so sure about this. But remember now that we have this promise from God that he is going to be with us. And Paul says that we may boldly say, or the writer of Hebrews, excuse me, says that we may boldly say, you know, that Jesus is our helper. You know, can we say that? Can we boldly say that we're not being covetous trying to get that new iPhone 12 to be our, our salvation or get that new job to be our protection or get that new relationship, but that Jesus himself is the one who is our helper. And I think the best time to start right now is, is right now. That man, this year, God, be our helper. Be our helper. Because we need it. I mean, look back at this past year. Look back at all the things that, you know, maybe I screwed up more than you guys did, but I can look back and go, man, I, I didn't do anything nearly perfect. 
I need a helper. I need a helper even now. I can look back in the past three days and say, man, I've already messed up this year. I needed a helper. But I can also look back and see that God met my needs last year. The more I let him meet my needs, the more he met my needs, so to speak. And even when I didn't think he was going to meet my needs, he still met my needs. And I can look back on those years of faithfulness. You know, I have a box full of old journals that's taking up room in the closet. I never look at them, but I know that, you know, I'm considering shredding them in a sense because it's like, I just, I, if we move, I don't want to hold on to them again. And I want space in the closet for other stuff. But the other sense of me is like, I don't know that I want to get rid of them. Even if I never read them or open them, there's evidence of God's faithfulness through there, in there. But has God given you any word, a Bible verse just for you, maybe recently, or for the new year, or for things coming up in your life? I'd ask him. I'm asking him right now. God, is there something I can hang on to? Is there a verse I can hang on to? And, you know, it doesn't just have to be January. It doesn't have to be the new year, January 1st. It can be any time. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Though the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, God is faithful. God is faithful. He will be faithful to, the, to you in this new year. I guarantee it. You know, there's hope for every new year because there's mercy available each day. Like we talked about, his mercies are new every morning. But if we go day by day, that's how we get through the year. We don't take the year in a chunk. We don't even take a month at a time or a week at a time. God says, day at a time. Don't let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. It has enough things to itself. Worry about today with God. Uh, and that's why we have hope for the entire year, for the next decade, for the next 50 years that the Lord doesn't return first because His mercies are new every morning and He's faithful. You know, I encourage you to spend time with, with Him at the beginning of your day. As soon as you wake up with the Lord, as soon as your eyes open, as soon as, you know, sometimes... Um, the kids are up before me sometimes, most of the time and Mia will come in and wake me up. Uh, I was up this morning in devotionals and actually didn't realize I was up yet and uh, Mia was trying to come in and I let her come in. Uh, Ashley was trying to let, let me get a little more sleep. But man, you know, let that time be for the Lord, even if it's just a couple minutes. Give that time to the Lord. Let those new mercies of the day wash you in the morning. You know, I don't know if you guys are a morning shower or an evening shower. I hope you shower, but in the same way spiritually... <laughs> We need that, that mercy, that new mercy every morning to kind of refresh us and, and cleanse us and get us going. But I ask, do you want a new year? I mean, you know, you can write 2016 all day long on the paper and it may not be a new year. You may be stuck in, in last year or something that you're going through. But if you want a new year, you need a new you. And that doesn't just mean, like we talked about, working out. It means 2 Corinthians 5.17. And I'm sure you know this verse. But it says, therefore... If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And man, if, if our lives are in Jesus, that old guy, that El Viejo and that Mexican tradition, that little man doll that they light on fire at the end of the year, that's the same thing with us, except for real. Our old man can be done away with. Our old woman can be done away with. Our old life can be done away with. Even if we were out New Year's Eve partying late and we knew we shouldn't have been, that can be done away with. That old man is dead. It can be, we can reckon him dead, as the Bible says. We can consider that person dead, that we are a new person. We don't have to live under the confines uh, that we used to. You know, and are we still doing the same old things uh, you wish you didn't or you wish you wouldn't do? Are there still things that we struggle with? Man, why do I keep struggling with this? Yes. You know, we can, we can get rid of those things with God. We can be free of those things in God. And how do we do that? 
by coming to Him every day, asking for those new mercies, even throughout the day, asking Him for mercy and uh, uh, strength and temptation. But do you want to continue in the things of God? Do you want this year to be another year where you're walking with God, where 10 years from now or even next year we can look back and say, man, I walk with God more this year than I did last year. You know, it doesn't take resolutions. You can resolve all day long to walk with God. I'm going to walk with God. You know, the Bible says to be careful about making a vow. It's better not to vow than to make a vow and not keep it. But it doesn't take a resolution. You know what it takes? Repentance. We want to walk with God more this year. We need to repent more this year. And this is just as much for me as probably anyone else here. Probably more for me. And it doesn't take punishment. You know, sometimes people like to punish themselves in the new year. They're like, I have to go beat myself up and go on a crazy diet and maybe then people will like me. But no, it, it takes forgiveness. It takes forgiveness. We don't need to exact punishment ourselves and others. We just need to forgive and forget like the Bible says that we might move on. But also it doesn't take hard work. It doesn't take hard work. Um, if you want to continue in the things of God, it takes the work of the Spirit. It takes resting in God, that we would rest in God first, and from there, we probably have to go out and do hard work. But the thing is that we would rest first and rely on Him first. And you know what? It takes Jesus. If we want to have a walk with God this year, if we want it to be better than last year, it takes one thing, Jesus. If Jesus isn't in your daily life or my daily life, man, or our weekly life, things aren't going to be different. They're not going to be better. But if He's like a little bit more in your life this year, your year will be uh, a lot, a lot better. I don't think it's a one-for-one one deal. I think if you spend a little bit more time with Jesus, your life is a lot, a lot better. Uh, this is from the, a devotional called The Power of His Presence from January 1st. Um, I believe it's something that my aunt gave me a few years ago. But it says, Repentance is the way people come to God and the result of forgiveness of sins. No, Lord, no one else is to blame, only I. This is the way I am and I need help. This is where God will meet you. He says that, man, repentance is not just uh, turning away from God and uh, turning away from sin, uh, so to speak, but it's realizing that I can't do this, God, that I keep doing these things, that this is, in a sense, who I am, that even genetically, maybe genetically I'm predispositioned to this thing, but I need you to help me to overcome that, to let that old man uh, be behind me. This is the way I am naturally, God. I need you to help me because the only way that... <laughs> We're going to have a supernatural life as if we live it supernaturally. There's nothing in our natural bodies that will make us holy, that will make us um, free of these things. You know, in our, in our bodies, nothing good dwells. Um, but he says, turn from the things, you know, turn from the things that hold you down and turn to the one who will lift you up. This is kind of an old story, but you guys remember a few years ago, there was this boy who was put in a balloon and he went up and they thought they took him away and apparently the boy just hid and it was a big publicity stunt by the parents to get attention and they got in all this trouble. But man, that's the same way with us. We need to be lifted up. Again, like that movie Up where we just need to attach these spiritual balloons, these verses in our lives that would lift us up out of our present situation and bring us to where God is. Um, you know, we need to get away from our old habits and our old practices and we can't just do that in ourselves. I mean, um, I'm not very good at basketball, but... Even if I could jump as high as Michael Jordan or some of these other guys today, you still come right back down. You need a way to be brought up uh, uh, to the Lord. You know, I think there's a, a, a song lyric. It says, where hope can hold the hand of sorrow and we can walk into tomorrow, uh, where peace is found in the troubled days and the joy of Jesus carries pain away. This is a new year. This is a new day. 
to rise, to shine, to lift up your eyes. This is a new year. This is a new day to rise, to shine, to point the way to God's great life. That we're given a new year. We've got a new life and we've got a new year in front of us. Man, we look back and maybe we regret some things we did. Maybe we wish we did things better. But we have a new year in front of us where we can walk with God. We can praise Him more this year. We can even uh, spend more time with Him this year and hopefully lead people to Him uh, this year and be uh, obedient as, as He would have us be. But again, as we end the message here, I'm sure you'll say it, that better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. That, uh, you know, the, this message is over, and so that's better than when it began because there's donuts and things over there. Maybe you won't pass the donuts and you'll go for the fruit because it's January. But man... God wants us to know that, man, the, the things that are over, they're behind us. We can leave them behind us, and we can go forward in Him in this new year. And God, we pray that, Lord, You'd help us to, to hold on to You more this year, to read the Bible more this year, to share our faith uh, with others more this year, to be more loving this year. Uh, and God, not that we would take a vow and say, God, I'm going to do this more year, and you know, you'll see, and you'll be proud, but Lord, that, God, You would just be the one to do it in us, and You'd help us just to to lay our lives down. And we thank you for the reminders of Christmas and Easter and Passover and the new year. And God, we pray that every day would we rely on your mercies. And God, give us your mercies this day. Be with our friends and family and uh, minister to them and care for them. And God, let us be your lights this year uh, for your glory. God, come soon, we pray. We also pray that 2016, Lord, uh, would be, even January, even today, Lord, would be the day that you come back. And we look forward to that day, God. But until you come, help us to be faithful because you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.